0: Hey, thanks for being a part of the conversation. This is Play It Forward. Real people with real stories. The struggle to play it forward. Episode number 614 is with Dr. Hannah Durkin, author of the book Survivors of the Clotilde. I'm good, thank you. How are you? Well, I'm very proud of you. I'm so proud of you for bringing a story that has been shoved to the side for way too long. So many people do not know about this, but through you, we will learn.
1: Well, it's just been a pleasure to to do this project, Um,
0: um, I certainly hope that. Yeah. How did you get the information? Because, I mean, is it readily available, or did you have to do some serious digging?
1: Yes. Yeah, so I, I really benefited from the digitization of materials. So census data, you know, genealogical data, is, is really quite easy to access. I mean, often it's behind a subscription service, but you can get to it online. And also the digitization of newspapers, I mean, it's quite... It's quite a laborious process so if you're looking to try and find someone who's African-born um you might I to I do lots of keyword searches to try and find information try and find people living in Alabama who African-born who might have had you know just had a brief mention in the newspaper so the information is incredibly fragmentary um but once you part, start to piece it together it's, it's incredibly revealing.
0: One of the things that is so special about this book are the photographs. The photographs, along with the storylines, you're you're making this sound like that it's something that is happening in our present place of now because now we can see a face. Now now we can you know connect the stories together. And and I love the way that your editor or even you bridge this together.
1: Yeah, a, there's nothing like a photograph for you know to actually bringing someone to life as a person, or even film footage. So there is film footage of two of the Crotilda survivors. Um ac- easy accessible online, obviously it's not in my they're not in my book because you, you can't uh, include a moving image, but um there is film footage of the Doshi and um Kazula or Kojio Lewis, who were the second and third longest lived Crotilda survivors.
0: Now being down here in the South, which you know the South was affected by slavery, and and the thing is, is that we, we you know we go to the historic places, but a book like this is something that needs to be read. And now let me go back to Charleston. Now let me go back into into the the lower Georgia cities and things, so that we can learn about what really took place on this soil.
1: Absolutely, and you can go. I mean, hopefully people will have the opportunity to. You can go to Africatown, which is where a large group of Cotilda, Cotilda survivors were enslaved and where they yep. established their own um, free community. And there is a heritage house. You know, there, is the, you know, there are places you can visit that were established by the Cotilda survivors. So the church yep. that they established is still there. So you can get a bit of a sense of you know where they lived and, and what their life was like.
0: Yeah. I love how you stepped out and you called it exactly what it is. Kidnapping. That is a big word, and yet it does put focus on what really was taking place.
1: Yeah, because, um, I mean, horribly, most of the Cotilda survivors were very, very young people, um, in many cases, children. So the youngest was just two years old, um, and she was kidnapped with her mother and three of her sisters, and her two brothers were left behind. So I think the only way to convey the horror of that separation it is to call it out for what it is and to make us reflect on just what the transatlantic slave trade meant because, of course, you know, Britain was, I'm in the UK and um, certainly throughout the 18th century, you know, Britain trafficked about three million people, um, which was a large percentage of all people who were trafficked across the Atlantic. I mean, trafficked is technically not the right word because it was a legal trade at that time, but but, um, it helps to, you know, helps to put it in more context, I
0: think. You know, what's interesting, Doctor, is the fact that uh, uh, you, you talk about Britain, and, uh, you know, I guess maybe we're just American selfish, because it seems like when we talk about slavery, oh, it's America, it's America, we forget that it was other parts of the world.
1: Yeah, and I think Britain's guilty of that in the other way, so we don't talk about slavery enough, because we think it was over there, it, it was in the Americas, yeah. but of course it was British people, or people of British descent... Um, who were doing this in, in many, many cases, and of course the captain of the Cuthilda—he was a Canadian man, but because he was born in Canada, um, he proudly regarded himself as a British man. Because of course it was a, you know, this, this was the British Empire. So technically, you know, the last um, U.S. ship captain was was a Brit. So I think we should, you know we should reflect on that over here as well, and um, and reflect, of course, on how so much of the wealth of the transatlantic slave trade. It was formed into all these beautiful British stately homes, and so how it's shaped our history to the past. Well, um, certainly 400 years, but more than
2: that, maybe. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At US Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities cbp agents and officers are keeping people safe join u.s customs and border protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself learn more at cbp.gov careers
0: how do we keep it in the everyday conversation because i like i said we we have become this generation that likes to shove things to the side and keep marching forward but this has got to be a part of the everyday conversation
1: yeah we need to reflect on what humanity is capable of so we hopefully don't because although we're obviously, you know i mean so human trafficking is still ongoing yes certainly and, and but also we need to reflect on what we are capable of doing to each other as human beings because of because in many cases of greed um, and, you know, recognize, you know, we need to learn those moral lessons. But also I think it's so important, and I was um, spending time with descendants of Clotilda survivors just this past week, and how it's important for them to be able to connect with their history and their heritage and, and understand that and understand who, who their ancestors were. Um, and so I think it's such an important story for, you know, for them to be able to hold on to. And also people wanting to, yeah, to trace their history, uh, you know, people who, whose history has been erased by the transatlantic slave mm-hmm. trade. I think these these Quatilda survivors speak for so many people, not just their own story, but I think because there are so few um, narratives or so few testimonies yep. Yep. by middle passage survivors that these Quatilda uh, survivors speak to them all, mm. especially the women, because they're almost no female accounts of the middle class.
0: Yeah, and you talk about those children, too, don't you? I mean, the sale of 103 surviving children, I mean, that that's the thing about it, is that, that that hits me in the heart really hard.
1: Yeah, because, I mean, they're so young, just so young, but so many of them are still alive in the 20th century. Yeah. So, Matilda McCrea, who was just two years old when she was kidnapped, she survived until January 1940. Her grandson is still alive, he was just taking me around Selma, The you know, just this past week driving me around Selma, um, taking me on a tour of key sites, including the house where she died, and it really brings it home to you just how close that history is, how it's um, people who are alive today who, you know, who are just two or three generations removed from the transatlantic
0: slave trade. Wow. I, ju- I just can't imagine what you went through as, first of all, uh, digging in and, and, and getting the information, putting it on the pages, and now you're relinquishing your book to us. I mean, you're, you're such, it, it's it's almost like you've been called to do this so that the future can't forget it.
1: Yeah, I think if I hadn't knowing, you know, when I first identified a Crotilda survival survivor, kind of by accident, really, because I just stumbled upon her name. I think if I hadn't, I, I feel like I would have been complicit in a sense in that elision because this was a hidden history. And for a long time, the Cotilda, the, the Cotilda voyage was dismissed as a hoax. Yep. So descendants were railing for decades against that and trying to secure, you know, recognition. Lots of, you know, I guess this isn't, isn't just about me. Lots of descendants and, the, you know, the historians or the writers, you know, have have attempted to tell this story. and. I've certainly done it in a more comprehensive way, but I think um, it's been a battle for previous um, writers and descendants to, to get that recognition. Wow! Um, and you know, get that history in the public domain, right? Yeah,
0: you've got to come back to this show anytime in the future. I love your story, and I'm gonna—I want to help you get this word out so far, so and let let it wrap around the world, so people can get it in their conversations.
1: Thank you so much. It's been a real pleasure really
0: Thank you. Will you be brilliant today? Okay, doctor? Thank you.
1: Take care. Have a great
2: day. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation? Where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission. At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe.